Welcome to the Property Management Show, a podcast brought to you by Four and Half Marketing Agency for Property Managers. Today, we're interviewing Todd Cohen, an accomplished speaker and author of two books, Everyone's in Sales, and Stop Apologizing, Start Selling. This episode is not just for BDMs or professional salespeople, no. If you work for a property management company in any capacity, stick around because we're about to change your life. Seriously. Todd, thank you for joining us. Today, Hi. we are going to be picking your brain. Uh-oh, uh, that's not a lot to work with. I have to tell you, that's not a lot to work with right there. I think so. I don't know. We'll find out. This will Good. be the true test. Good. Happy um, to be here. So before we dive into actually um, discussing the topic, which is how we sell before even saying a word, um, which Marie and I talked to you a little bit about in the past, but I'm really excited to dive back in. Can you just introduce yourself, introduce who you are, just like a quick tidbit about you and um, your experience? Yeah, so I'm a guy who's passionate uh, beyond words about showing everybody how we're all in sales every day. And I'm equally passionate about dispelling all the negative stereotypes of sales because that's what holds us back both professionally and personally. And I have to tell you, ever since I left my last, we'll call it real corporate job about 12 years ago, this has been my mission. And I do this primarily through keynote speaking and doing workshops. I do about 90 appearances a year. Of course, that was wow. pre-COVID. I can't say what it's gonna be like <laughs> going forward, but uh, I am ecstatic to be here and show everybody how everyone's in sales. Yeah, that's a really um, interesting thing to claim. And so we're gonna learn more about that. So yes, let's start with like a broad um, question. Um, what do you think is the most important or most crucial step of the sales process? Just yeah, so that's, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Marie. I'm sorry. No, no, that, I got so excited. See, Marie, I got so excited. I couldn't wait to answer the question. Uh, you know, it, it's a great question because in traditional sort of old think sales training, nuts and bolts methodology, there are those who would say on the first sales call, right? The first, when the contract is signed, when the product is delivered, you know, when the objections begin and sure, yeah, that's all true. And it's kind of very 1990s, right? And the reality of it is, the sale begins before you ever say a word. Now, how do I know this? Because we're all consumers. We all make decisions the minute we see somebody, the minute we read something, the minute we encounter another human being, our brains automatically form an opinion. And that opinion says, I feel good, I feel like I'm in the right place, or there's something about this, and I can't quite put my finger on it, or maybe I can, that says, this isn't maybe the right place for me. You see, the person doing the selling, which is everybody, begins the sale before the word is spoken. It's about how we choose to show up. And that is what is missed so often and far too often and to the, and to the absolute detriment of organizations today. So would you say that is the most important part of the sales process also? I think today it is, yes, because people have shorter attention spans. People are making decisions much quicker. We're incredibly disconnected with human beings. We're busy with our phones and our iPads and our computers and 
our brains are already clicked on to the next thing and the next thing. So we've got this narrow little window by which we start the sales process. If we miss that window, we've made it infinitely harder on ourselves. So basically, it sounds like, uh, so you said, you know, the, the moment you show up to a person, right, yeah. is the yeah. moment it kind of starts and that's the most important. Um, yeah. And before we felt we, I guess, most people thought that the start of the sales process is the first call and that's the most important part. Like when what contact you're saying is, is made. Yeah, what you're saying is, um, apart from like literally showing up, maybe video call or something, um, it, it sounds like also when people see your stuff online you said something about like you know as consumers when we read something we already form an opinion like yeah, so that counts yeah yeah. yeah well look at it this way i'll even prove it to you right now i i, I believe we're being videoed and a lot of your uh, listeners and watchers will look at this and the minute this video went live people made an instant decision whether they realize it or not about what this was going to be like. They took a look at me, they took a look at the way I was dressed, they made a decision. They said, you know what, I don't listen to bald guys, or I like bald guys, or you know, I, I you know, whatever decision they chose to make, because we have inherent bias as well when it comes to buying. So I had to make a choice about how I was gonna show up today. I made a choice to wear a shirt with my logo on it. I made a choice to shave this morning, to make sure that I was showered. Probably too much information. <laughs> the reality of it is, people make a buying decision, the initial buying decision, in a split second. It's absolute truth and it's absolute fact. And again, as a consumer, we know this to be true. That's where the sale begins. It kind of reminds me, and this is going like way far back because since my marketing career, I have not, even used this term, but I remember in school, um, there was part of um, a, a consumer behavior class or an e-marketing class or something that mm -hmm. talked about zero moment of truth. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, and it's kind of a little bit different because if I recall, zero moment of truth is when the buyer kind of un unconsciously realizes that they need to buy something, but it could happen at the exact same time as what we're talking about right yeah. here, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant concept and probably a little it's beyond different. my, but, but it's beyond my pay grade and not but, there's a key sales word for you is never use the word but because it negates everything. It's yep. the word and because that connects people and helps people be less defensive. So to your point, I agree and it's a little tangential to what I'm speaking yeah. about here. Okay. Um, you know, there's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink about how people you know, decide and think in a blink. That's actually one of my favorite books. And that's what began my thinking many years ago on this topic. Yeah. So I'll have to look into that book. I'm excited. Yeah. Blink I read that book and it was mind blowing. Did you? Yeah. Do you yeah. have it? Can you give it to me? I probably have it somewhere. Okay. Have to look through all of these books behind me. Um, well, here's, but... a, here's a good book for you. All right. Never mind. <laughs> Definitely. That's a really good book. We'll love um, that book. And so um, you're talking about how, you know, everyone um, unknowingly or knowingly are actually like selling their company, their services um, mm -hmm. in all their interactions. Mm -hmm. So do you think salespeople are born or bred? Like, 
do they naturally fall into those roles because it's like something in them pulled them to that direction or is it a product of their experiences or their mentors? So yes, (laughs) (laughs) yes to all, no to all. So look, I'm not a social scientist and I get asked this question all the time. Are people born or made or created, whatever it might be. Here's my feeling. We have to take a look at how we're defining salespeople. There are people like me who have chosen a profession of professional sales, right? That's one thing. Then there's the issue of the fact that we all have to sell ourselves. We're all making a decision and conscious about how we show up, about the fact that people want to build relationships with us. We have to sell something every day. Every day, we're trying to influence somebody, and every human being has to do that constantly. Now, if you choose a, a you know the profession of professional sales, yeah, that's a little different DNA, and it's not for everybody. And primarily, one of the reasons is people have a high sense of I could never be in sales because I could never feel that rejected or it's so hard for me to ask. And, you know, the answer to that is there is no such thing as rejection. It's a myth. Rejection, true rejection is actually personal. You know, if somebody says, I don't like you, like I'm not buying because I don't like you or I'm not going to give you budget or I'm not going to approve this project because of you. Yeah, that's personal. But I don't believe that happens as often as we in our minds conjure it up to happen. So our salespeople, you know, born, developed, trained, we're all salespeople because we're all in the position of having to influence other people all the time. You know, if anybody's ever, you know, has ever had to propose to their spouse, as I did, hardest sales call in the world, at least it was for me. You know, if anybody has ever had to talk their kid into eating peas or, or plead with somebody to move their car, whatever it might be, that's all sales. You see, there's the stereotype of selling, which is uniformly negative. And that's what people like me who are self-identifying professional salespeople deal with every day. So the answer to your question is we could have a separate podcast just on this, but we're all in sales because we're all in a position to influence other people every day. Yeah. The the main reason I ask that is because it's something that, is like hotly debated and also oh, yeah. um, like you said right there's a stereotype that it takes a certain kind of person to do sales and it's like a dog eat dog kind of profession mm. and when you're saying everyone's in sales then i can imagine like half the listeners probably going like nope not me not sales not person. <laughs> well you know you know it's interesting you say that because the three most damaging words to an organization the three most damaging words to a career, the three most damaging words to uh, a a potential renter, tenant, employee is, I'm just the. Mm -hmm. You see, people would almost rather do anything than understand that whether they realize it or not, they're selling. You see, I'm just the sends the message, you know what? Go somewhere else. You know what? I don't value myself. You know what? I don't have the confidence to to help you understand the value of what we can do here. So when I say to people as part of my work, every conversation is a selling moment. My job, as I said at the very beginning of this, uh, you know, this this podcast we're doing is my I'm on a mission 
to break the stereotype of sales and demystify it in a way so that people understand you can run, but you can't hide. Right now, I'm selling. People are listening to this. They're making a decision. Right now, ladies, you're selling by the fact of, you know, that you're doing this, how you chose to show up, how you're marketing it, how, what messaging you're trying to, uh, to send out to the world. Everything is sales because everything is about influencing how people think. Right. So if we think about it, I, and I, going back to what you said and what Marie said, like, I, I'm just the, or I, oh, I don't want to do sales. We think about um, like the property management sales process where a lot of the clients we work, a lot of the property management companies we work with have a business development manager um, where they are the initial point of contact. They speak to a property owner, um, trying to educate them on why they should hire this property management company to manage their investment. Mm -hmm. um, and that salesperson could be really great and have great rapport and look really amazing and get that property owner to sign the deal. But what's next? <laughs> next exactly. is the onboarding process. Exactly. And you get a property manager. So the property manager doesn't, realizing, doesn't realize that they're selling, but say the property manager then meets or has a meeting with the new property owner at the property and doesn't show up or shows up late or sh there are all of these situations um, that could be selling without you realizing it. Do you have any examples you could share oh. kind of surrounding that? How much time do we have? I mean, we have 700 hours. Yeah, it's uh, it little good because that is even <laughs> enough time for me to give you all the examples. Look, yeah. this isn't a stretch for people to understand because we're, again, we're all consumers. So I have lived in properties um, that are rental. I have lived in planned communities. I have been a, been a tenant of uh, uh, companies where, you know, I had to sign a lease and we had employees in there. And where, where, where organizations fall, and I don't care what your organization is because my message goes across. If, you're, if you have a need to bring money in to keep the lights on, then this message applies to you. Now, in this particular case, we have to remember, and this I, I, would, I would ask all of your listeners to truly make a note of what I'm about to say. Sales is a mindset. Sales is a behavior. If we confuse sales with sort of the slimy tactics, negative stereotype, you know, the movies that have glorified the negative side of sales, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, the famous Alec Baldwin role, uh, you know, Tin Men, Boiler Room. I mean, the list goes on, used cars. You see, those movies, albeit funny or entertaining, they glorify the negative stereotype. And we have all, as consumers, been victims of bad sales. I have. In fact, I feel bad for the people who try to sell me badly because I essentially torture them in the process. But that's a whole other conversation. So to your point specifically, if we look at sales as a mindset and a behavior, and we train people in the organization, which is the work that I do, that listen, when you're engaging, you're selling. So here's what I teach people. You don't have to do anything different. You have to think differently about what you're doing. So that next email that you send out, we need to think proactively, how is this going to be heard? You know, the, yes. the next person who walks into your office and you say, 
and you greet them in a way that isn't particularly the company way, that's a sales moment. Now, someone may say, well, we're good. We're, we've trained our people in good customer service. That isn't even scratching the surface. You see, customer service to me, albeit massively important, is a subset of my message, which I call sales culture. So everybody in the organization has to look at every interaction as meaningful. Every interaction has a systemic, profound downstream effect on a prospective client signing the deal. And oh, by the way, staying with you yes. at renewal time. Oh, by the way, how they're going to engage with you when they're upset during the lease period. I mean, the list is endless. We are constantly making a buying decision and then a validation of that decision yeah. with organizations every single minute. And oh, by the way, there's my favorite expression. And oh, by the way, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> If everybody doesn't embrace the notion that, hey, I'm in sales every day and how I show up matters, sooner or later, there's going to be a crack. And sooner or later, somebody is going to send the message that, drum roll, please, you're in the wrong place. And that's the essence of sales culture. Everyone's in sales. And it takes a lot of courage to think differently about every interaction. That's and not every company is up to it. Yeah. Um, and to piggyback on what you had said, right? So you don't really have to, you know, uh, change the processes and procedures or the manuals of your company. No. The key thing is to change the mindset. And then if, because yeah. once you change the mindset, the actions follow, right? Absolutely. Um, well said, Marie. Absolutely. It's harder, but it's harder. It's easier to change your manuals and your training procedures, right. but changing the way people think about you know, your company and your, their jobs. Well, um, you know, you, you, you make a good point. And, and my response to that is, you know what? Life ain't easy. Uh, and uh, especially as we're moving into post-COVID and how to recover, never more than today is my message of everyone's in sales, all hands on deck, people are your recovery uh, mechanism. Never will that mean more than what it does now. Why? Because people are terrified. Have I overextended myself on this lease? Do I have the right people in place? I can't miss a single business opportunity because somebody looks at their job as a checklist rather than what they do impacts my decision to ultimately say yes. This is a profound mindset shift that we don't we don't, you don't, your constituency does not have an option on this. I am passionately sure of this point. Well, it goes back to having the right people. Um, and Absolutely. There are a lot of um, different operations styles that we've talked on our podcast about in the past. Um, but one of the things, um, there are different ways to, to phrase it, but one of the, a common theme or a common phrase is right people, right seats. And if you don't have the right people um, that have that sales culture and that sales mindset, right. you, you might need to look for something else. Well, you know, you, you, Brittany, you bring up an enormously critical point here. So 
as I've been saying in all my virtual keynotes, and I personally can't wait to get back on the big stage. I, I hate being locked up at my home here in Philadelphia, but until I can get out there, the point that I'm making to everybody, you know, it doesn't matter about your price, your service, your how quick you are, how efficient you are, because right now, people are trying to find the differentiator, the difference maker, the part that makes you stand out. Anybody who understands that it's the people will absolutely accelerate their recovery. Now, here's a tip for your audience that I wanna share, and I share this with everybody. As you're looking to bring in new people, as you may be turning over your staff, as you unfortunately had to furlough people, and some people may not be able to come back and you may have to restaff, ask this one question during the interview process. Ready? Here it is, drum roll. Tell me about something that you've sold in your life, period, question mark. Or let's see, maybe the question, that was question mark, period. But you get my point. Because if they can't sit there and tell you about a time that they've achieved something because they were able to influence somebody, about a time that they were passionate enough about something to achieve a goal, especially if they can't say, well, look, I'm here selling myself to you in this interview right now, Mm -hmm. then this is not somebody you want to hire. Everyone's in sales. This is a mindset and it is mandatory and critical for recovery. It's a cultural shift. And the beauty of it is it doesn't cost you any, well, you want to hire me to help. I'm happy. I, I would love that. The reality of it is it doesn't cost you anything to change other than the time involved to point out to people what you do matters. What you do systemically makes its way through the chain and influences our customers. Yeah. Like I, I came to work and I picked up the phone and had a smile on my face. It's weird. Right. right. You know, it's, it's, and it's interesting. There's such little things like that. Right. And, and, but you had a smile on your face because you're a nice person and you're a happy person. And probably somebody at one time said, when you're smiling, you know, people can feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. Let me take that a step further. Now we have to look at that through a sales lens. You see all of these activities, I don't want you to stop doing them. I need us to up our game and look at them through the lens of, wait a minute, I'm selling right now. Just by doing what it is that I do every day, it's how I choose to show up, putting a smile on your face, taking the time to appear in a way that you want to send the right message. The the challenge for us all is, as I said a couple of times now, is to redefine the term sales. And that's what I do. Yeah. And, you know, with all this talk of every kind of like every moment in your life, almost you're selling, right? Um, not not Whoa. just your company, even yourself, right? Yeah, yourself, you offer, right. You know, for like a potluck, once this is over, you're like selling yourself to whoever's there, stuff like that. But um, when we're talking about your profession, like if you're working for a property management company and you know, you're a receptionist, you're a maintenance coordinator and you know, sales isn't really like in your job description, but if let's say the owner of the company goes to me and says, Hey, from now on, you know, we're all salespeople. It kind of feels exhausting to be like, Oh, now I got to sell. Like I got to like do my normal job. And now yeah, I'm like, adding to my it? job description. And 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like how, so, how do you, how do you get people on board with it? I guess. Yeah. So, so that's, that's sort of the secret sauce of my keynotes and my <laughs> workshops and I charge millions of, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, let, let me, let me give you a, I mean, I wish I could charge millions, but especially not in today's environment. So I, I'll be your assistant if you can charge millions. I, I will, and I, and I will take you both in, in a heartbeat because <laughs> I, you, your, your format for this is so clean and so crisp and so professional and uh, I just can't afford either one of you. But um, suffice to say, how do you get people on board with it? There's really not, if you make it a gigantic mountain that we have to scale, then they're not gonna be on board. They're gonna look at it like, oh my gosh, right? Here's essentially how it goes. We have to point out to somebody every day when we see an example where what they've done has made a difference to a customer. So for example, if you're in human resources for a property management company, and one of your property managers comes to you and says, look, I've got to hire a new, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, right? A new plant manager, a new maintenance supervisor, a new gardens uh, guy, whatever it might be. I need you to help me write a better job description so that I can get to that the right person quicker and more efficiently. So when the, so when HR is now intimately involved in that process and then systemically the job, it, it makes its way down the road, right? The job description gets posted. You get better candidates up front. You make a quicker hiring decision. That person becomes on board, that person on boards quicker. Yeah. Guess what? That HR person when she or he did what he did, they were the chief sales officer because they weren't thinking about this is a checklist thing. This is going to help us help a client say yes, because if I now have a hand in hiring a great ground supervisor, that's going to be better for us when prospective tenants come on the grounds, right? So yeah. it's a broad-minded, big-thinking, big-boy-and-big-girl-pants concept, right? So, and the other way we get people on board, and this is how I do it, I'm very, very clear in the beginning of my keynotes, this is not sales training. I am not here to teach you how to sell. I am here to show you that what you are doing now is selling. And that gets people's attention. People go like this, they snap up and they go, okay, maybe I won't fall asleep during Cohen's presentation. Maybe I'll actually pay attention before I fake that I have a phone call and you know run out like the days of when I was dating and you know, my friends would call me and say, oh, no, get me out of it. I'm kidding. No, I never have. <laughs> I have a toothache. I've got to go. <laughs> well, so it's, it's almost empowering, I'm sure. So instead of scare tactics, you're empowering them to want to be better by saying, hey, you're already doing this already. You don't need to learn new skills. Change you your lens. To, yeah. Yeah. Change your lens. And look at it this way. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I am proud to be overhead. <laughs> Nobody wants to come to a job where they go, I don't matter. Man, that makes me feel good. I am so glad to be irrelevant. That is, that is what I was born to be, yeah. was meaningless. Nobody, I mean, if they do, then that HR person should have a conversation and there's, there's probably medication that can work and whatever, but that's a whole different conversation, right? Here's the deal, folks. You show people how what they did eventually led to revenue coming in the door, they're in sales. 
And guess what? They do it again and again and again and again. I believe in a glass half full uh, perspective on people in the work environment. I believe people want to make a difference. I, I love that. And that actually reminded me of something. So Brittany, right? Like whenever we get like great reviews from people we work with for marketing, right? The, the owners of the property management companies often mention people who are, you know, they're either their account manager or people who work on their campaigns. And although like Logan, our director of sales is doing an awesome job, like uncovering their needs and offering products that actually work for what they need. Rarely do we see reviews for him, even if he's the one who like recommended the product. Right, because he's not the one giving them that positive emotion once they start working with us. The account managers on our team are, they become team members of the clients we work with and we want to build a relationship. They're, they're right. their advocates. That's what we right. call them. Like yeah. if right. you're an account manager and you work for four and a half, your job is be, to be the advocate for your client. So when you create that relationship, it ha there's a bond and you are selling when you do that. Absolutely. Listen, yeah. you know, in the, in the, the, the planned community that I lived in prior to the house I live in now, I live in Philadelphia, as you know, I won't mention the builder, but suffice to say it was a very poorly built community. It had tremendous, tremendous, tremendous problems. And the property, we went through new property managers every three years. And, you know, the first year they were great. The second year they were a little less great than the third, by the third year, they had just given up, right? Because the problems in the community were so significant that it really became, we actually had people who would stop bidding. They just, they, because word got around about this wow. community. Oh. oh yeah. It was, it was really tough. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with um, the property manager before we moved out of there a couple of years ago. And I remember saying to the property manager, who, by the way, loved my message and said, I got to get you into my company because I'm tired of people saying, this isn't my problem, right? That's what was pissing him off. And I, I understand that. But when I think back to the entire crew that worked there, I think back to uh, the, the, the chief of maintenance, right? Here's what he did. He greeted me by name and everybody else by name every time he saw us right? That may not sound like a big deal, but using somebody's name is a selling tool. It demonstrates for a split second that you're the only person in the world. People want to know that they're important. That's what creates buying decisions. If we needed maintenance, he had an, he had an extraordinary way of deciding like the triage of it, right? And I'll never forget once my hot water heater blew up and I couldn't get a plumber in there, I called the office, not that it was their responsibility because we owned these units, right? It wasn't their responsibility to replace my hot water heater. But within five minutes, this gentleman was at my door with a bucket, with a mop, with booties, with the whole thing. And he said, this is priority to us. Now, if I had said to him, you're a great salesman, he would have said, no, I'm not. I'm just the. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying? This is yeah. just my job. This is, this is yeah. just my job. Yes, it is. You're also in sales by default because you're influencing me through your behavior mm -hmm. that I made a good decision when I was a part of the finance committee to choose your company. Yeah. It reinforces the buying decision. Right. And so you mean, I mean, it, it's funny uh, typically, when we think of the sales process, right, it's like a straight line. 
of like this is the sales process and then it ends and then not my problem it's with the ops or whatever um but with recurring um revenue businesses every month that someone pays is a buying decision right and property management is that kind of industry like an owner can easily get out of the agreement and look for another property manager but if you if you think of it as no every month i gotta sell this customer to keep me as a property management company keep us as a property management company i, I think like that's really powerful and that's yeah. their whole message yeah i mean marie marie you make an incredibly again another you guys are you ladies are phenomenal interviewers uh you you make it obviously you get this and you've studied it which which by the way is a selling thing to me see it makes me feel good about committing to this podcast, right? It, it, it demonstrates to me, this is a selling moment. You might be thinking, you're, you're just the hostesses, right? You're not, you're salespeople for this organization because you've clearly done research on what I do, right? You're listening to, to the application. And that's what people need to understand. You're not doing anything different than you normally do. I suspect every podcast you record you are as engaged as you are with me, although I know I'm fabulous, but you know, you're as engaged <laughs> you are. as everybody, <laughs> as everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm also, you know, unfiltered. Uh, but, uh, but you, you know, the, the real, the real story here is that sends the message to me that, you know what, I'm in the right place. And I, I'm interviewed. I'm, I have three more interviews this week and I can tell you every single one will be a new adventure. Every single one will start differently. Every single one will demonstrate to me with every conversation, whether they're engaged or not, which tells me they're selling me on being there or not. And finally, Marie, to your point about writing that rent check every month or writing your mortgage. Yeah. Every month I write a mortgage payment. If it's, if it's credited one day late, I mean, I'm pretty good with my mortgage payments even now. Uh, then I wonder Then I think, was this a, was this a mistake? Every month when I pay my homeowner's insurance, right? The State Farm Mutual, who I've been with for 30 years. Why? No, wait a minute. Even longer. Why have I been with them for so long? Because everything they do reinforces my decision to stay with them. It's so, experience. And, and people will say, ah, this sales culture stuff is nonsense. We just have to be nice to people. Yeah. But if I have to tell you to be nice to people, you have a, you whole have a bigger problem. <laughs> I've cracked the code. Yeah, I'm nice to people. Therefore, my sales are going to go through the roof. No, because you will have people in your organization, the vast majority, that we have to redefine sales for them. Mm-hmm. So when that gentleman from property management showed up at my door, he was the chief sales officer. When 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 I dropped off my my uh, condo fee check every month, mm-hmm. and someone said, "Todd, thank you, appreciate you being on time," that was a selling moment. We have to yeah. redefine sales over and over and over again for people. That is conclusively the key to recovery and profitability. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love, I kind of, I kind of like went in one ear out the other was I loved Marie how she connected it back to reviews a little bit ago and now I'm kind of like see actually comprehending what she was saying where you have a salesperson you don't see salespeople salespeople 
um, professional, professional, traditional, yes, the traditional salespeople, you don't see them getting mentioned in reviews when things are positive. You don't see them mentioned in reviews when they're negative. You see the entire team that controls and contributes to the entire experience mentioned if it's positive or if it's negative. Um, and we have people, I think this is, is a really good example because I have um, companies that I work with there where there's like one or two people on the team that always get mentioned in reviews. Yeah. And it's that, that is selling, that is selling. You are selling the experience um, and, and how you were saying, calling it out, call it, call it out when that's, mm -hmm. that happens to use as examples for the rest of the team for what to strive to be. Um, so I, I just wanted to circle back to that because that was a really good point and it kind of like didn't connect at the time. And you know, there's one more point to that, which we need to take it even further. When we, you know, Brittany, when we talk about calling it out, it's more than just saying, hey, I have a letter here saying, you know, Marie did a good job. Right. It's saying, I have a letter here saying Marie did a good job by getting, by doing X, Y, Z. Yes. And, 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 and then you say to the company, how did this impact the sale? And everybody will say, well, because she did this on time and then this happened. And then, so then you have to say, that's why we're all in sales. Mm -hmm. Keep reinforcing it. Yeah. She sat down with me. She read through the document with me. She took 45 minutes to explain all of the different verbiage that I didn't quite understand. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Yeah. And so we also have to think of it as we're advocates, we're ambassadors, we're representatives. See, that's 1990s right? That's 2000. That's sort of, you know, what all these overpaid academics, you know, and all these universities write these big fat books to basically say what I'm saying in five words. Yeah. You represent your company. Now let's go to the, now let's go to the next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause when, you know, even in school, you always hear that, like, you know, in an organization, you know, the CEO represents a company and then this person and then okay. like the executives, you right. know, represent the company. But then nobody talks about the actual people who make up the organization, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is it really an organization if you just have two executives up top? But yeah, well, that's well, well, there. <laughs> and, you know, there are countless examples, both massively big companies and teeny weeny little companies. I mean, look at Boeing in the crises they've had with the 737 MAX, right? When their former CEO, Dennis Muhlenberg, you know, went to Congress and he was savaged. And you have to you go back and look at the video of how he showed up, of how he held himself, of his facial expressions, of how he, how he handled the fact that people were behind him holding up signs saying, this is my child who was killed in that wreck. Everybody was looking at them and, and they were making a buying decision on Boeing. He at that moment was the chief, he did, he did a terrible job, which is why he's out of a job, but he was the chief salesperson for Boeing at that point, and he completely missed, missed the opportunity to sell his company, mm -hmm. and that should have begun with vulnerability, humility, and yeah. showing his humanity, which by the way are three of the most important sales tools we as human beings have vulnerability yeah i know this apartment's a little expensive man i remember my first apartment boy i didn't think i could write that check and i'm glad i did i have been there you know showing your showing your accessibility here's something else i want your readers your listening reader viewership whatever to hear 
if you're approachable, then you're profitable. Approachability is profitability. When I walk into the office of my, well, when I lived where I lived and I walked into the management office, I made an immediate decision based on how I saw people's body language and face and dress about whether I was comfortable approaching them or not. What they didn't realize, well, actually they did because we have many long conversations about this, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> what they realized was how I saw them in that split second, the sale begins before we say a word, reinforced my decision, Marie, as you put it earlier, to give them the check in my hand. Yeah, and I, I love what you're saying about vulnerability, empathy, and humanity. They're very important sales tools. But I think especially now, you know, um, we're in a point in time where a lot of people are, are suffering. We're cooped up at home, not because we want to. We're all forced here because these are really um, difficult times for the entire world. And, you know, showing humanity, especially when people are, you know, not at their best, um, really kind of like defines your, your brand, right? And defines like how it's like if when I'm in need and you're not here to help me, like, so that means you don't really care for me. And yeah. people think of organizations as like, oh, it's just a company that gives me a service. But like you said, emotions influence our buying behavior, mm -hmm. um, which is why sometimes a better brand is not as profitable just because people just either are indifferent towards it or have negative, negative feelings toward it. Well, listen, as, as, uh, as the building owners listening to this, to this will attest, uh, anytime you do a renovation, you have to make mega, mega, mega massive decisions, appliances, cabinets, floors, contractors, right? So, <laughs> you know, my wife and I renovated our kitchen a year ago. Um, biggest project I've ever done in my life. And to this day, we're still fighting with the cabinet company and one of the appliance companies to do the right thing. And every single person we engage with, with the exception of one or two, has been argumentative, combative, defensive, not my problem. This is what we think it should be. And, you know, they, they have no clue that they're actually not selling. I mean, they're salespeople and they're doing the opposite of what they should be doing. Just an acknowledgement at one point that, you know what? This shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. I can't change our process, but this shouldn't be. This device should work right. You're right. Those cabinets, we shouldn't have to make five times before we can get them to you correctly. I'm sorry that the first two times, half of them were delivered cracked. You can see my experience here, yeah. right? And, and what has made it all the worse is the people that we've dealt with don't understand their role, their role as salespeople. Mm-hmm. They're not my job. Let me give you to this group. Not my like, job. Well, delivery screwed up, not yeah. me. You're right. Yeah. And it, it, it's amazing. And I, you know, I won't name the companies as much as I want to, but, uh, you know, I mean, it has been a terrible experience. And the worst yeah. thing is if their CEOs had any idea yeah. what the behavior is, they would wonder how they're ever making a single sale. So it's, it's an interesting paradox, right? I mean, there's a, it's, a, it's a, you know, you think it's good customer service, it's not. 
It's not. It's more than customer service. It's more than it's, just picking up the phone and talking to someone. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, that goes that goes miles. But even the person and, and, and the lesson we're learning in uh, COVID nineteen, and I and I have been teaching this in this in these virtual workshops I've been doing. You know, there's a recovery mindset, which is the same as a sales culture mindset, a sales mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Which is first and foremost, shut up and listen. People want to be able to share their pain. Right now, we know that that you know that that's a good way to build a relationship. It's also a selling tool. I don't want to hear pushback. I don't want to hear you know. I know times are bad, but you really need to buy this now. No, <laughs> you need to be able to understand where I'm at right now, and that those people who understand it and can adapt to that are great salespeople. They just don't realize they're great salespeople. It, it's it's an incredible science. That I that I have immersed my life into here, and and uh, I love what I do. I love that you said listen to. That's that's something that so many people. I, I don't know if take for granted is the right word, but just don't value. I, I guess take or for they, granted is the right yeah, word. Sometimes they they know and they forget, right? Um, or they just like don't value because so important. Yeah. They just never had personal experiences maybe yeah. that highlight that. Too. Well, I love that you said that too, because it's our, um, we have um, on, on our website and what we teach our team, the first thing that we do as, as a company, as part of any process, the number one thing that we tell our team to do is listen, just listen to the people you're talking to. So that amazing. just resonated a lot with me. Yeah. And it's amazing. You know, the old saying, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Right. And, and frankly, in this time of COVID-19 and depression and anxiety and panic, people just need to be listened to. Listen, I'm going to, I'll share this with you. You know, between March 19th and March 23rd, I got a series of phone calls and emails. 80% of my business of my booked business evaporated gone. I was supposed to work with you for your conference, as you know, uh, well, potentially, I should say, intent, there you always close, always, always be closing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, work just evaporated and vanished. And I had a choice. I could have said, no, 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 you can't do this. Please rebook me. Please. Let's find a time. I could have scrambled. Or you could have, right. Or you could have like, no, the contract states, Right. You know, no refunds or something. I, I, and I would never do that. Why? It's not, it's not to anybody's benefit to be a jerk. Okay. And, um, you know, so the first thing I said to everybody who called me, and thankfully my relationships are such that people actually pick up the phone to call me for the most part, instead of hiding behind an email. The first thing I said was, I am so sorry. This must have been a very important, a very difficult call for you to make. I can't begin to understand what it's like to be in your shoes, just like you can't understand <laughs> what it's like to be in my shoes. That being said, I understand. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm deeply upset. And I understand that it's not your fault. You, you know, and, and by the way, that created much longer, deeper, more systemic, meaningful conversations, yeah. which guess what? I'm pretty sure most of this business at one point will come back. Yeah. Some of it will be gone forever. Some of it will come back. Some of it will be deferred. And guess what? Some new things will pop up. Mm -hmm. The reality of it is, folks, <laughs> you know, sorry, I went into key mode mode. I almost said, write this down, ladies and gentlemen. I almost went into <laughs> key mode, keynote mode there. I got my notebook. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, the reality of it is customers aren't going to like you if, if, if they feel desperation, regardless what role you're in. Mm -hmm. 
Desperation scares people off. And there's such bad sales training out there and really good sales training. And I hope people who are doing conventional sales training find good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And you just provided maybe intentionally or non-intentionally another example of selling. You were selling yourself. The conference was selling themselves to you. Yep. Yep. It's always happening. I mean, look, I, I, everything I do is through the lens of people are going to be making a buying decision on me. That's what it means. Everyone's in sales. Mm -hmm. So everybody in your company with every interaction, that's a selling moment. And the thing that I encourage people to really embrace right now, write it down, put it on your computer, frame it. I don't care what you do, but never waste an interaction. Because that may be the one that could have put you over the top, put your company over the top, saved your job, provoked or promoted, excuse me, that nice letter saying, Marie and Brittany did an amazing job. It's more than customer service. It's a mindset that what I'm doing, how I'm influencing is a selling motion. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm proud to be overhead. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to... Um what is the saying? It was just like, you, I don't know. You should care about what you do. What is, what is the saying that people say? Like, I don't know. But let me, I, let me, I don't know. But you know what? If you don't love what you do, do something else. How yes. That, I think that's what I think. That's <laughs> you, if you love what you do, do something else. Because if you get people that love what they do, they're going to care. They're going to show humanity. They're going to show vulnerability. It comes out. It, it comes out. Look, I love what I do. Yeah. Love it. I, I, uh, I, best thing ever happened to me was when, you know, 12 years ago, my company eliminated my job. You know, people often say that best thing that ever happened to me. Well, you know, it's really not that easy to say, but you know, and, and for the first couple of months, yeah, I was lost. And then I got out there and I figured something out that really, you know, made me very passionate, which is, you know, everybody's always talking about the sales team, but what about the rest of the organization? I can't do what I need to do without them. So they're all part of the sales dialogue. Well, that means, and, I, and over time, I began to formulate this and talk to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you know, CEOs and people across companies. And they're like, wait a minute, how do I contribute to the sale? I don't want to be in sales, but how do I contribute to the sale? You see, that's where it started. So it's like, well, you, you're not, you are in sales because you're contributing to the sale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the way, one message to all your property owners and property managers, every single person should go on a sales call because it's good to hear how the process works. It's good to see how a customer evaluates your offerings mm -hmm. because better, because today being better, cheaper, quicker, faster, isn't going to sell. Being able to connect in a way that solves my problem and solves my pain. And I trust you and I feel you. That's what gets sales done. And everybody plays a role in that. Nobody's exempt. That's great. We Do you have any like parting words for our listeners um, or um, anything else that you think is um, helpful to, contrib to, to contribute to the conversation that we may have missed? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'd like to think that I've offered a lot of takeaway points here and, I, and I'm, I'm confident that I have. And I know you ladies will summarize and, and do your thing professionally as brilliantly as you do it. And um, I think... The, the, the number one takeaway is that 
everyone's in sales, not because we're asking them to go out and knock on doors and sell in the stereotypical way. Everyone's in sales because we have to adopt, it's not an option, we have to adopt the mindset that every interaction leaves a mark. That mark either says, I'm gonna buy from these people, I'm gonna rent from these people, I'm gonna to come to work for these people, I'm gonna stay working with these people, <laughs> or not. And you have to make a decision about your people that A, they are absolutely the reason you will or will not recover. It's not your product, it's not your service, and it's not your price, it's your people. Period. Yeah. Period. Recovery awesome. ends with people. Because that keeps coming up in our podcast. Absolutely. And, and it begins and ends with the culture that you build. And if you allow silos, silos between the operating groups to rise up, then you will be dealing with mediocrity because then what happens is people go like this. Not my job, it's his problem. So how do we bring down silos and create profitable companies? We build a sales culture. We show people, you don't have to think about, you don't, you don't have to change your profession and become a salesperson. You are a salesperson. And this is how, because what you did here, I can prove to you that there is why they, that's because there is where they signed a lease. There is where a person said, this is the company I want to come to work with. There is you know, whatever you want to fill in there. And you had a hand in that. Therefore, you're in sales. It's a lot of parting words, Marie. Sorry. It's but, fine. You know, and, and this is such a huge topic. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so if our listeners want to check you out, um, you know, read your book, where can they find you or buy your book from? Well, great question. So I do, I do keynotes, I do workshops. Uh, I've written two books. One is called, this is not going to surprise anybody. Everyone's in sales. And what? the second book no is, way. I'm sorry, <laughs> no way, right? Hold on, let me see if I have my second book here. And my second book is uh, called Stop Apologizing and Start Selling. It's about how difficult it is sometimes to ask. My website is Todd Cohen, T-O-D-D-C-O-H-E-N.com. Everything about me that you want, that you'd want to know how to book me. There's lots, tons of free information, videos, white papers. You can buy my book online, buy it from me because then I'll sign it and send it to you. And Amazon pays me like, like a, a fraction. So yes, I'm a one man band. Hey, it's pandemic folks. I need the money. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and my phone number is 866-515-9445, extension 100. I have five extensions. <laughs> they all go to you. But they all roll to me. Um, but I would love to hear from anybody. I would love the opportunity to bring this message in-house. And I, I am confident, I've worked in your industry for a long time, confident that I can make a change for you. Absolutely. And yeah, so to our listeners also, I recommend no matter how you feel your team is doing, have them listen to this podcast. Have everybody listen to the podcast. I know for certain we're going to have our entire team listen to it because I, I feel strongly that we do a great job, but I always feel like you can do even better. And I think this has some really great ideas and concepts to consider. So everybody listen to it. Everybody so listen you. to it. Yeah. <laughs> and get in touch with Todd.